people are realizing that their currency of success is different. Some people, it is a house of the swimming pool, but some people it's freedom or it's relationship or it's an avocado farm in Costa Rica where they can have, you know, all natural food. Each and every one of us has a unique currency of success. And I think as we become entrepreneurs, to use that as the North Star of where I'm headed, why am I doing this business? Why am I getting up every day? What is important to me? Welcome to the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs Podcast, where we're on a mission to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. If you're an entrepreneur with a burning desire to change the world, this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform your life and business so that you can achieve the freedom and fulfillment you crave. This show is dedicated to entrepreneurs who want more out of their life, more meaning, more purpose, and ultimately, more happiness. You deserve it all, and it's possible. I'm your host, Robert Peterson, pastor turned life coach for business owners. I believe that success without happiness is not true success at all, but there's always hope for those who are willing to take action. Join us every week as we bring you inspiring leaders and messages that will help you on your journey towards success. Thank you for investing your time with us today. Let's get started. Our guest today is a fearless female leader who believes in the power of empowerment. Lady J.B. Owens' focus is on helping others, which is why she started Ignite Publishing, the leader in empowerment publishing in 2019. She is a world-class speaker, 20-time best-selling author, and powerful business owner. She was knighted as Lady J.B. Owen for her entrepreneurial and philanthropy work. J.B. has published over 700 authors, turning them into international bestsellers. She combines purpose, passion, and possibilities in everything she does. J.B. is inspirational, motivational, and transformational in how she teaches and empowers others to ignite their own lives. Robert Noel chat with Lady J.B. Owen, a serial entrepreneur who loves empowering others through telling their stories. She believes in igniting humanity through stories and philanthropy. She knows that entrepreneurs will save the world, and she is doing more than her part to empower them to success. Lady J.B. shares parts of her business journey and how she was inspired by her own success to help others be successful. Well, JB, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have this conversation and, and learn about the impact you're making in the world. Thanks so much for having me. It's a delight to be here. Absolutely. So we start each episode with a guest sharing their entrepreneurial journey and what's led them to taking that leap into serving others. Oh, wow. Well, I started my first business when I was nine. I had a Woo-hoo. little time. I know. <laughs> I had a little tiny business where I was selling little necklaces that I made on Friday nights at the tavern out in the parking lot while my dad was having a little visit with his friends on a Friday night. And I would kind of approach people who were walking into the tavern and be like, hey, mister, do you want to buy your your girl a necklace? And, you know, she would kind of bat her eyelashes and look at him and he would be like, OK. And then she would try it on and she would love it and he would love it. And I would smile. And before you knew it, I had a little $2 bill in my hand and it was like a win, win, win. I was delighted by something I created and made, made her so happy, which made him so happy, which made me so happy with $2 in my pocket. And an entrepreneur was born. I absolutely loved it and just been an entrepreneur ever since. Been really blessed to have multiple businesses and at the same time faced all of the trials and tribulations that entrepreneurs do when we 
you know, hit a snag, fall on our knees, have to start over. So I really have had the gamut of the entrepreneurial life. Nice. So let's let's talk about that because I believe entrepreneurship is like the the best crucible for personal development and and that willingness to lean into the falling on your knees and starting over and and the lessons involved in that. I think obviously we know a lot of people quit and they give up rather than, you know, facing their inner self. Yeah, it's true. You know, the entrepreneurial journey really does make you toughen up, but it also makes you get clear and really focused on what is most important to you. And I think a lot of businesses start off with an entrepreneur, you know, wanting to do what they love. I sometimes feel uh, bad for the woman who's really good at making cupcakes and she starts a cupcake business and suddenly she has to learn about you know, P&Ls and reporting and business and, you know, employees and, you know, taxes and all of that, because she's just really good at making cupcakes. And all she wants to do is her passion. And so a lot of entrepreneurs go down that road where they just really want to do what they love, but they don't really understand the business and the mechanics. And Michael Gerber, a good friend of mine, wrote the E-Myth, which I read numerous times. And I cried during reading it because I was like, that's me. You know, I'm going through that but really appreciate the fact that when you decide to be an entrepreneur, you, you, you really do have to decide you're going to be all in it's all in and it is not for the faint at heart. And you have to be willing to be a student. You have to be willing to learn things that you don't know. And at the same time, you have to be willing to learn everything so that you can pass it over to your employees. When my son was 17, he wanted, he, he was graduate ready to graduate. And he said, Oh, I want to start, um, you know, a skateboard shop. And I said, oh, well, you should go to the mall and start working at the skateboard shop and learn everything you need to know. And he's like, well, why would I do that? I'm just going to open a shop and I'll hire everybody. And I said, like, wow, like, think about that. Like, you don't know what your employees need to do. You don't know what's going to happen with the till. You don't know how to handle the stock. You don't know how to run the business. If you hire people to run your business, those people will learn and then leave you and go start their own business. And so you've got to know every piece of your business if you're really going to be successful entrepreneurship. Of course, he didn't start his skateboard shop because it just was too much work. And so really, again, it is a personal journey and a devotion to what you love to keep you in the game of being an entrepreneur. Well, and I think that can be the challenge, especially early on is, is do you really love it? Like, like, especially at, you know, a teenager coming out of high school, do you have any idea what you really love yet? You know, and, and I think a lot of business owners take on that idea. I think, you know, we've, we've both helped people that, that felt like they were experts in their field and, and I can do it better than my boss, right? That technician who, who, who thinks they've got all those pieces. And like you said, they love to bake cupcakes, but <laughs> they don't really like accounting and, and P and L's and, and all of the fun things that come with outsourcing and hiring. And, mm -hmm. so and you know, conversely, you have to love what you do. I mean, my other son is just graduated and he's, you know, working at a mechanic shop and, and learning all about mechanics and how to fix cars. And, you know, he talks about becoming an entrepreneur because he realizes that working nine to five or just working, you know, in a job that has the ceiling of a paycheck there's, that doesn't allow him to sort of really grow. And what I say to him is you've got to do what you love because I show up at my desk 16, 17 hours a day. I show up seven days a week. I love what I do and I have a great story. 
we're, we live in Canada. We drove to uh, LA and California to take the kids to Disneyland. We were in Disneyland for five days. And while we were driving back, it took about two days. I said like, I can't wait to get back to work. I can't wait to get back to work. And my son was like, you're the only person I know that would leave Disneyland and like, can't wait to get back to work. And it's because I love what I do. And so it doesn't feel like work. Well, and, and there's a lot to be said about loving what you do. But even more important is this attitude we've created as a culture about work. Mm. And and we've we really have created this idea that work is this negative thing. And and so many people approach work with a negative attitude. And I think entrepreneurs get past that because they do want to embrace what they love. But I think as a culture, we need to embrace work and celebrate work and and be happy that we have work and we can do these incredible things. And and of course, you know, we live here in North America where where the opportunity to, to say, I want to open a company and start a new company literally can happen now in in minutes, like minutes. You can you can you can get the IRS involved. You can get your LLC. You can take that to the bank. And and within a half an hour, you could actually have a, a legal company now you better have something that you can do like a problem that you can solve <laughs> for somebody because a business really is about people. And, and I think some people get caught up in cupcakes instead of people. And so helping people realize that you're not about cupcakes. You're really about people that want to eat cupcakes. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. Or people that get caught up in trends like, Oh, everybody's making money back to my kids, selling sneakers, let's sell sneakers because that makes a lot of money. And I said, okay, well, why don't you try that? And so I gave him a little bit of seed money. And within a very short time, he realized that buying sneakers and importing them into Canada and paying duty on them and shipping on them only to turn around and sell them and pay shipping and export duties, he didn't make any money. And suddenly I was like, okay, well, what did you learn? What was the lesson in that? Because just because everybody else is like, oh, it's making money. You really, again, with the entrepreneurial brain, you need to do something that you need to think about it in, in, in all forms and facets, uh, because if you're just doing it because it's on trend, you won't stick with it. Oof, absolutely. And and the trends, you've got to be able to, to flex with the trends. I mean, just watch the sneaker companies that are huge and spending billions, not millions, billions of dollars to to follow a trend and in you know whether it's a trend in the sports world or the music world or whichever trends they're following skating world mm -hmm. um, yeah the sneaker industry is is definitely a whoo hello <laughs> you know also like this is such a great conversation because when people are also in traditional businesses or in businesses like oh i own a dry cleaning shop and there's a dry cleaning shop two doors down I always talk to people to try to leapfrog over the trends because if you're always following the trends, you're actually kind of behind. If you're always trying to keep up and catch up with what's on trend, if you want to really make your business grow, you want to leapfrog over the trends and create a new trend, create your own trend, create your own unique you know, um, niche. So I own a publishing company and we really invented, I was sitting in a beautiful conference with Vern Harsh talking about scaling up and he said, you know, invent your own category. And so we sat there and created the leaders of empowerment publishing. Now, there wasn't anything in the industry called empowerment publishing, but we started doing it. We started becoming the leaders of it. And now people are really understanding that self-help is sort of died out. People don't need help. People aren't helpless. 
And so we've created a new category about empowerment. And now all of a sudden people are really wanting books about empowerment. They want to know about empowerment. They want to be empowered. And they're sort of feeling like, yeah, I'm not helpless. I don't need self-help. I need empowerment. And so if you really want to make a difference in your industry, you want to carve out your own unique landscape so that you can be at the forefront of it. Oh, that's so valuable. And and I think obviously we have conversations with entrepreneurs constantly about niching down to the smallest, smallest possible. And, and if you are your own niche, that's so helpful because it can, it, it gives you the language right off the bat. If you know your own language and what's your own list, you know, stories that you're listening to and the stories that you're telling, then those can be the stories of your niche. But if it's not, then you need to really, you really do need to, to narrow it and and everybody's afraid that that they'll miss somebody right it's i true. want to help everybody there I'll, I'll miss somebody if if i niche down and so recently i took i took my own i took my own medicine and and went from you know saying that i coach entrepreneurs to focusing on dental practices and and there's there's two pieces to that because everywhere i go networking i've been called the smile guy and and now i take keep smiling pictures because i support the keep smiling movement and and they both just go back to dentistry. And when we were missionaries in Colombia, the dentists were the best partners that came on short-term trips, had the biggest impact in the community. And so they are a great niche that I have a great connection to. And they have that same problem as your cupcake friend. <laughs> that yeah. they, they, they go to school for many, many years and they get taught how to be really great dentists. And they don't get taught at all how to run a business and they don't get taught at all how to lead a team. And so that can be really frustrating for them. And my goal is to end entrepreneurial unhappiness. And my focus now is to start with, with Dennis and then expand to other entrepreneurs. But I want to focus on a niche that, that needs my services, needs my help and is mm -hmm. easily identifiable. And as a legacy mentor, I will say bravo, because now you will be known in the industry as he's the guy that helps dentists and dentists talk to other dentists and dentists go to conferences with other dentists and dentists need and support other dentists. And so you help one person. Now that person tells somebody else or tells five other people in your lane again with your avatar. And then you really get to work with the people that you love to work with. And I coach my clients all the time. I say like, if you're going to spend 10 hours a day working, who is exactly the person you want to work with? Like, what are their qualities? What are their attributes? What are their understandings? What are their needs? Really know who it is you want to work with because there is billions of people on the planet that want what you have. And so saying, well, I help people from six to 60, which I hear all the time, like I help everyone or I help all kinds of people. I say, well, do you want to work with all people? Do you want to work with people who are in, who are plumbers or do you want to work with people who are um, hairdressers? Two totally different people. And so if you really know who, what your niche is, you actually have a better um, business because you are using that process as its own self-select. And so plumbers aren't going to come to you because you help dentists. Now, as you get better, rinse and repeat and get really good at your business, then you get to move into another sector. I did this with dentists. Now I'm going to go to optometrists and I'm going to rinse and repeat and do the same thing with optometrists. But you've now really honed your business in to know what works, to know what's successful, to know what's good, to hire the people to do it again and again and again, which allows you to now to move into another market sector. And you can just utilize that, tweak it a bit 
because optometrists uh, need something different than dentists. And that is really the way to scale. So if you're reading any of the books about scaling, you've got to create the systems that work, 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 and then shift instead of trying to figure it out over here and figure it out over here and over here and over here. Well, and, and not only that, the, the, the piece that really helps and it, and it was it's Alex Hermosi's work for me that that led to you know and he basically says your niche has to have three things they need to be targetable they need to have a problem that you can solve but maybe the most important is they need to have money that they can pay you with and, and there's there's too many people out there making cupcakes and giving them away at a bake sale <laughs> rather than trying to find a target that that is willing to pay for that high-end cupcake, like like crumble cookies now is spreading across the, the United States. I don't know if they're spreading across Canada, but they sell cookies at almost $5 a cookie. Like, hello. <laughs> and and they've targeted a, a demographic that is willing to pay $5 for a gourmet cookie. And and you have to target a demographic that, that has money. And there's too many entrepreneurs that love what they do and they just love people. And I had the same problem. I'm a pastor. I came from ministry and I love to help people. And I spent my first half you know, running my business for free because I love giving it away and I love helping people and, and serving people, but that doesn't help my family. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think there's a progression to business. Like I want a lot of my entrepreneurs that come to me, they're a little bit naive because they're like, you know, crumble cookies is selling their cookies for $5. And they want to be that immediately. And what I'll say mm -hmm. to them is there's always a progression. And so I'm a big proponent of get the easy yes. And so if you have really great cookies and you really want to sell your cookies, instead of just trying to come out of the gate and be exactly like crumble and charge $5 for a cookie, go for the easy yes and charge $3 for a cookie and then do what crumble cookie is not willing to do. I feel that's the number one rule in entrepreneurship is do what your competitors are not willing to do so that you stand out and you make a difference and make your business be an easy yes. Now, again, to my daughter, during COVID, she had somebody ask her to walk their dog and they would pay them. And so my daughter started walking dogs around the neighborhood. And I, of course, said to her, hey, let's start a little business because you could get some of your friends from school who are at home and sheltering in and not going to school and so and get them to be your little, you know, other dog walkers. And then you have like 10 dog walkers and they're walking dogs in all the neighborhoods in town. And then they're charging and you're taking a little bit from each client. And of course, my kids are like, Mom, can I just be a kid? <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you're making me do a business. But I do that all the time. My kids will say something, a problem. And I will instantly say, well, let's turn that into a business. Let's create that. Let's make that a business. And so if you have that mindset of solving a problem and then you give something more than what your customer or your competitor is willing to do and you create the easy yes, you now can use your business and progress and improve and start to charge more and start to expand and start to do it different and start to add other products. But truthfully, a lot of entrepreneurs do show up and they want what Starbucks is doing. They want what Home Depot is doing. They want what, you know, Kylie Jenner is doing. They want to be immediately at the end before they've even walked through the ladder to get to where it is they need to go. Well, and the bigger frustration are the ones that are trying to put all those pieces together and, and build a Home Depot without trying it and testing yeah. it. And, and I think that that progression piece is really can be helpful for people to see 
like they're afraid to go on Facebook and do a Facebook live, or they're afraid to jump on a podcast because they've never done that before. And, and, and the truth of entrepreneurship is it's a lot like science. We have to experiment and the willingness to experiment. Some people talk about it as, you know, fail first, fail fast. And, and I don't, I don't even consider it failing because you're trying. Failing is the guy that's sitting at home trying to make it perfect without putting it out there. And the truth is you've just got to put something out there, but you've got to be willing to get the feedback. You've got to test, test it and ask for the feedback to make the changes that are necessary. Find out what your niche really wants because you could be making chocolate chip cookies and you could be selling them at $3 a piece. But if you don't ask them, is this what you guys are looking for? But when you do ask and they say, no, we really want peanut butter and you make peanut butter cookies and you sell 10 X because now you're making what your clients are looking for. Who man, then business takes off. But so yeah. many are so stuck. They're so stuck on that idea that I love chocolate chip cookies. I love chocolate chip cookies. I just want to make chocolate chip cookies because they're my favorite, but it might not be your niche's favorite. It might not be your client's favorite. And we, we make these assumptions as entrepreneurs and we make this great website that's got all these pretty chocolate chip cookies on it. And we're just convinced the whole world wants this because we love it so much. And I think helping people turn around and say, no, if you're willing to ask and you're willing to shift a little bit, people, people really want this. And it's not a lot different, but a little different than what you thought it was. And your willingness to progress and your willingness to accept that, hey, you know what? If you make peanut butter. They're going to they're gonna sell 10 times as many because that's what the people are longing for because they can get chocolate chip cookies anywhere, but nobody's making the peanut butter one. Yeah, really well said. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs get into business because that's what they want. That's what they're interested in. That's what they need. That's what they like. And it only goes so far until you really have to make that pivotal shift between what you want and what your customer wants. And that takes mature uh, and that takes lessons and life lessons and learning for you to sort of step outside yourself. Because most of the times I started a kid's clothing business when my son was five months old. We lived in Vancouver, full of rain, full of sun. And I was like, wow, first of all, boys get really ripped off when it comes to clothing. But second of all, why is there no really great rain gear for kids? We're all wearing awesome rain gear. Why is not there really great athletic wear for kids? This is back in 2000 and and six when Lululemon was just sort of starting all the kids, all the moms were wearing Lululemon, but the kids were wearing pajamas and stuff from the gap and really uncomfortable. And so again, problem, how can we make a solution? I also started making UV covered clothes and UV protection and wick away and stain resistant. I mean, think about it. Why does no one make stain resistant clothes for kids? Like, hello, <laughs> exactly. It seemed like a no brainer to me. And I literally went from in my basement to a million dollar company in less than four years because I started solving a problem and I started thinking about my customer. Now, I ultimately was the customer because I had a, a son. I wanted him to be UV protected without putting sunscreen on him. I wanted him to have comfortable clothing. I wanted him to be stain resistant. So I became my customer. But over time, when I listened to what my customers wanted, they also wanted like not uh, non-recyclable diapers, recyclable diapers. They wanted UB, they wanted uh, stainless steel water bottles. I mean, this all sounds archaic because this is all very much like we do that normally. But 20 years ago, we weren't doing that. We weren't thinking about health for kids. We weren't thinking about proper clothing. We weren't thinking about natural fibers. 
And so when you decide that you want to make a difference in your niche and you are your customer, you really need to also make that leap to what is it my customer needs and wants and how am I going to serve them 360? Because that's also another really great way to grow your business. I was making raincoats and, and rain gear and outer gear for my for my clients. And then suddenly I realized like, wow, I need to make activewear. And then, oh, what are those kids doing actively? Well, they need water bottles. And oh yeah, now they need like outdoor, uh, you know, footwear and stuff like that. So I really was looking at the 360 of my client. And I ask you as entrepreneurs to do the same because you can easily pivot just so slightly with your products to then add additional products to your business and really grow your business in ways that you didn't think of because I've made enough peanut butter. I've made enough chocolate chip. I've made carrot cake. I've made blueberry. Well, guess what? Now all my customers want coffee or tea to go with that or a lunch kit to go with that, or they want a brownie. And so just those little pivots can really expand your business. Oh, so good. We will be right back after this short break. Are you an entrepreneur who started their business with purpose and passion only to lose sight of it amidst the daily grind? We understand how frustrating that can be. That's why we're offering free strategy calls to help you gain clarity on the barriers holding you back from achieving your dreams. In just 30 minutes, our experienced coaches will work with you to identify obstacles and develop strategies for overcoming them. There's no commitment or pressure, just a chance to get some assistance and clarity you need. Scheduling is easy. Simply visit smilingcall.com and select a time that works for you. Let's jump on a call and build your business together. It's time for you to add value and achieve your full potential as an entrepreneur. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. All right, JB, you've mentioned a few a few significant people that, that you know and relationships. Um, how have connections helped you to grow businesses? How have connections helped you to grow as, as an entrepreneur? It's such a beautiful question because I believe that every single person you meet, you meet for a reason, like mm -hmm. even just bumping into somebody, you know, in a restaurant or somebody walks by you at the gas station or, you know, you're on a plane, like there's no coincidence to the people that you meet. So think about every person you connect with because they help you grow and they help your business grow. And then conversely, be very intentional about the people that you surround yourself with. And so if you like Grant Cardone's style of business, then be around him. If you like Michael Gerber's style of business, be around him. Be very intentional around the people that you put in your viewfinder so that you can learn from them because there are a few steps forward. There are a few steps in front of you. You know, as a woman in business for the last 35 years, I have to be honest, there wasn't a lot of role models for women. And I actually struggled for a long time because all my role models were masculine. And so I was really trying to wear, I, I used to wear a suit and tie. I literally used to wear a tie to work. I, you know, I emulated the men and what they were doing. And, and I talk about this in quite a few of my books, especially my new book called The, uh, the Science of Becoming Rich for Women. It talks about how we all have our own currency of success. And I think now more than ever, as we're stepping into this new era of, you know, uh, the quality of our life is more important than the size of our bank account. People are realizing that their currency of success is different. Some people, it is a house of the swimming pool, but some people it's freedom or it's relationship or it's an avocado farm in Costa Rica where they can have, you know, all natural food. 
each and every one of us has a unique currency of success. And I think as we become entrepreneurs, to use that as the North Star of where I'm headed, why am I doing this business? Why am I getting up every day? What is important to me? And ultimately, when you take the time to really analyze your currency of success, because it's different for every single person. And I go back to for a long time, my currency of success was what men were doing until I really realized that as a woman, I have a very different currency of success. I want more collaborations. I want to be more involved in humanitarian. I want to be more inclusive in what people do. That's an important currency of success for me and may not be for someone else. But the best thing you can do in your business is know what your currency success is. Is it money or is it fame or is it a claim or is it is it is it domination or is it give back or is it humanitarian or is it inclusiveness or is it, um, you know, big business, small business. And those things really help you feel focused on where you're going because you're going for the feelings. I want to feel free. I want to feel supported. I want to feel loved. I want to feel creative. I want to feel you know, dynamic, I want to feel like I'm giving back. Those things will push you in your business, I believe, more than any numbers on the bottom of a screen or on the yeah. bottom of a bank statement. Well, certainly what you jump out of bed in the morning for. Yeah. Very few people jump out of bed in the morning just for the dollars. <laughs> and so yeah, it's true, I like especially that. now more than ever. You know, we are really connected to the give back or the purpose or the mission and the values. And, you know, all of the really good books do say, like, what's your purpose? What's your mission? What's your what's your uh, what's the reason? What are your core values? And a lot of people skip that because they think like, well, that's silly. But I will tell you doing them and then doing them every couple of years or even yearly, just reviewing them is really, really helpful. Because if you're on track each and every year, yep, that's still my mission. Yep, that's still my core values. Yep, yep, I'm still committed to that. Bravo. But without reviewing them, you don't realize that maybe you've changed a little bit or maybe you're just not that person anymore. Or maybe your business has evolved or you as a person has evolved and realized like that's not really what's driving you anymore. And it's one of the most dangerous things in coaching and in going to seminars and, and all these and, and try to share with people all the time. Don't let your brain say, I know that. And yeah. I think that's what happens when we do that. We go to that annual review and we say, well, values, oh, purpose, all oh, those are done. I know that. Right. And and when your brain says, I know that you've already shut it off and, you, and you've skipped all those things. And so I think it is so important to have opportunities annually to review your purpose and your values, because sure, life changes. What's important to you shifts and 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 it progresses just like your business progresses. And so I, I love that you help remind people, look, these things are important. Let's look back at them and let's make sure that we're still in alignment with, with what we want. Right. And go back to what you said about mentors and surrounding yourself with people. Same thing. How many times has somebody tried to mentor you or share with you? And you're like, oh, I know that. Or, oh, I've heard that before. And it really, in all honesty. And, it just, and not even in a sarcastic way, right? Yeah, even huh. even the, the brain just hears it at a conference or you read it. Even if you're reading it in their book and you, your brain just says, oh, yeah, I've heard that. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. If you let your brain do that, then your brain skips over all the important details. And so it doesn't even have to be a sarcastic or or a, a negative attitude piece. It can be that that I think I know this, but I've I've never applied it. And I think that's the challenge for for many is how do I how do I shift it to okay, I've heard this before. Am I doing it? Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of mentors become disenchanted with mentees. 
um, because, mm. and I've had it happen to me, mm. you know, I've been mentoring people, they've been paying me a ton of money to mentor them. And I sit on a call and I'll be like, well, what about this idea? Or how about that? And they'll be like, yeah, but well, I, oh yeah, I know that already. Oh, I've tried that already. And they're just not coachable. And so when you really think about the people who are the most successful, let's think about athletes, you know, they are coachable. Their coach tells them something, they try it, they try it again, they practice it, they do it again. And they really are willing to listen to their coach who can see it from a different play and attack, attack it from a different maneuver. And then they get a different result. And so for entrepreneurs, we're sometimes a little bit you know, we put on our, I know that already hat, and it doesn't really allow us to see it from a different perspective. Because again, go back to what I said, every single person you meet, you meet for a reason. So if somebody says to you, like, I really don't, you know, like the way you do this, or, or maybe this would be really great. Or you know what, have you tried peanut butter? That'd be really cool in a cookie. And we're like, oh, no, I already know that I already know. Yeah, somebody else. It just stops all of that possibilities. And again, every person comes to you for a reason. So if somebody says something and somebody gives you an idea, truthfully, it doesn't mean you have to follow it. But what I would say is in the pondering, in the consideration, in the analysis, you actually, one of two things, either you realize that maybe they have a good idea or you get more affirmed and confirmed of your own convictions. And as an entrepreneur, think and grow rich, one of the top uh, you know, rules is be able to make good decisions and be able to make decisions quickly. And so if somebody gives you a, a, a feedback and then you're able to be like, you know what, thanks for the feedback, but no, actually I'm really, really clear that this is exactly what I need to do. And you become more convicted and therefore make a quicker decision. That's always the best way to do business. Now, I'm not being a proponent of like not listening to people and ignoring them. But when you're really true to your business and you're convicted, I mean, let's think about it. How many who I'm sure the guy with the Rubik's Cube, when he showed it to a bunch of people, they're like, oh, that's crazy. And he was convicted. Or I mean, we can think of tons of things. The little bird that goes in the water. I mean, there are so many examples. Colonel Sanders of people who said, yeah, no. And he's like, yeah, yes, yes, I'm totally convicted to this. And we know so many examples of people change that, do that, do what I say, do what I say. And the entrepreneur stays clear to themselves and they eventually reach their success. So feedback is good in both regards. Well, and that, and that brings it back to who are you hanging around, right? Who are you, yep. who are you listening to? Because, because obviously the naysayers and the ones that, that don't believe in what you're doing, but then even the mission and the values, right? All of those pieces align to give you the boundaries for those decisions. And, and when something's not within those boundaries, it, it's very clear. And so that's how you can make a decision so much faster is because I know all of these pieces, I've put all these pieces into place. And, you know, you mentioned peanut butter cookies, but I, I, I recognize that that's not who we serve and that's not the direction that we want to go. And, and, it, and it's great to have all that information. And then the mentors at that point can be the ones that you say, you know, one of my clients mentioned this and, and what do you think? Should I try that? Should we, should we add that as a, as a possibility or is that a distraction? Right. And that, and that can be so powerful, but that curiosity and that willingness to consider and that willingness to analyze takes it from the brain shutting it off to the brain saying, okay, I'm open to this. And, and that, that it sounds simple. Like it sounds like, well, how are those any different? But the truth is brain science wise, there's a huge difference between the brain saying, okay, wait, process, put it in there. And the brain saying, oh no, I know that. Right. And so helping people differentiate that and really have that consideration 
have that little bit of analysis that does this fit? Does this match? Maybe this is a question for our annual review, or maybe this is a question for the team. Boom. And we make the decision is so powerful and so it's much so different good. than shutting it yeah. off. And it's so good that you talk about brain size because some people might be listening and be like, what is that? And then it's like, oh, it's no coincidence that you're listening to this podcast that's talking about brain science because maybe that's something you need to look into because maybe that's just the hint that you needed. I sometimes joke that God is so lucky to have YouTube because I'll be like listening to YouTube and all of a sudden a commercial will come up or there'll be like something and I'll be like, oh my gosh, it's exactly what I needed to know or I want to go down that rabbit hole and learn more about that. And I feel like God doesn't need the burning bush anymore because he just has like YouTube or Facebook to be like, hey, what about that? Now, I'll say that in being discerning to know not to go down the rabbit hole of things that don't serve you. But I love when you say about brain science because we have an idea in our brain we receive new information which potentially let's say this podcast it's when we put those two pieces together and formulate a third idea that is actually that serendipity that is all that's that is the excitement again as a mentor i don't just tell my clients what i think i don't demand or be like hey do xyz a lot of times they have an idea I will give them new information as an idea so that they can form a third idea based on processing that information. And the brain loves processing. It loves creating or solving problems. In fact, side note, if your brain is idle, it will just create problems so that it can solve them because that's the brain's job. The heart's job is to pump, the kidneys do their thing. The brain's job is to create solutions, is to put puzzles together, is to figure things out. And if you are idle in your business or just idle in life, the brain will be like, this is boring, let's create a problem so I can solve it. And the majority of people are creating relational problems and they're creating drama. And, totally. and they love to live in that space because guess what? The brain's happy in all this drama totally. that they're creating. And and instead of that energy going to drama, I love, 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 love that you're open and curious. And I don't want to give my clients solutions because if I give them solutions, they won't do it. Right. But they if need they to come form up with that. This, yes. They need to form it in their own brain. Their brain needs to go, wow, I knew this. And then she told me this and deducting the, the difference between those two things. I actually now realize like, aha, wow. And when the brain has that, uh, aha, wow, I figured it out myself. That's a driving force for the brain to be like, okay, I want to go do that. Oh, how do I fix that? How do I make that happen? And so allowing yourself that through mentors, through books, through podcasts, through learning, through trial and error, that allows your brain to just keep evolving. And if you think about human beings are designed to evolve, that's really absolutely, there's no stagnation in anything when it comes to life force. And so you wanna keep evolving. And so many people say to me like, just when is my business gonna be complete? Like, when is it? When am I gonna not have to keep at it? And I tell them all the time, really never because- When you sell it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But most people, even when I've sold my businesses or closed a business, you know, after a while, it's like, oh, something new, something new, because we want to evolve our brain. Absolutely. Keep evolving. Yeah, it's so powerful. All right, Lady JB, tell me about writing a book. What 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 was the benefit? What was the blessing of, of writing your first book? And and why is writing, continuing to write books and now publishing books such an important value for you? 
Well, I wrote my first book in 2003, so I was very blessed to go through the self-publishing process myself. Mark Victor Hansen endorsed my book, and then I, you know, I had it on the market. I did back in that day, 2003. I went across the country and sat in bookstores and did book signings and went on TV and went on the radio and did the whole book tour prior to internet and all of the things we have prior to emails even. But what I will say, and I say this to all of my authors now, a book is a business. So if you have a story, and this is so important, listen up, you have such unique IP. It's your IP. It's your story. Nobody on the planet has your story. Your story is unique to you and no one can own your story. So people come to me all the time. I don't have a business. I don't have an idea. I don't have a brand. I don't have a product. And I'll say, well, do you have a story? Oh yeah, let me tell you about my story. This happened to me and this happened to me and this happened to me. And then I'll say, let's use that story to start a business. Let's use that story as your own unique IP. No one can take that from you and start crafting a business around your story. And so we can think of so many examples. Mothers Against Drink Drivers, they, that started from a story. Alcoholics Anonymous, that came from a story. You can hear so many stories of people who have lost a family member or we're involved in a plane crash or, you know, we're a, a, a victim of rape. So many people have taken their story and then used it to create a business and create something powerful. Now, if you know anything about me, I'm all about igniting humanity. And I believe that our stories are actually the power that we have to ignite one another because they bring us together. And I do a lot of talks on stage telling people your unique story is your unique IP. And that's what makes you different than any other dry cleaner on the street, any other cookie salesman. Your story, how you got there, where you came from is super, super unique to you. And people will resonate with you. I just did an interview this morning. A lady started a project. It all stemmed from her losing her daughter from suicide. Now, her business now is flourishing because she can relate to other people and other parents who have lost their child through suicide. And her clients can relate to her in a way that they couldn't relate to me, even if I had the same product, because they have similar stories. And so you can tell how excited I get. When mm. you write a book and share your story, even if you share just your story in a chapter book or you share your story in a full length book, you now are creating a business. We just We do compilation books, you can see behind me. We're, we did a book called Ignite Your uh, Your Wisdom, and each and every author shared a wisdom story inside our book. We have 35 authors, but one author took it to the next level. I mean, she just really, she, she created a wisdom circle. She created a wisdom meetup group. She created a wisdom five-week course. She created a wisdom after class. I mean, she just took that one chapter and parlayed it into a huge business. And that one book suddenly became a landing page and the landing page suddenly became a place to collect emails and the email suddenly became a now a place to do a lead magnet or do a drip campaign or reach out to people and offer them something. Her landing page then had a little ebook, a free giveaway. So a book actually is such a springboard for you to grow your business. Why? because you have wisdom from your story. You don't need to go to university to have the wisdom from your story. You take what you've been through and you create the wisdom, the golden nuggets, the five steps, the two tips, the, the new philosophy, the theology behind your story's journey, and you instantly have a business. All right, I, I, I don't wanna imply that our audience isn't up to date, but use the, use the initials IP and yeah. can you explain to the audience what your unique IP is. 
Yeah. So it's your intellectual property. It's your unique prospect. It's like what you have that no one else has. So I grew up in a small town. I started my first business when I was nine. I moved to the big city. I went to school. I became a fashion designer. I eventually worked in the movie business. When I got pregnant, I got out of the movie business. I started a clothing business for kids. I had this clothing business for numerous years. And then I burnt out and ended my business. I ended up going bankrupt. I walked away from my business. I ended my marriage. I closed my business within 90 days and I restarted my life so that I could then be healthier, happier, more balanced. And then I started a new business that was all about eco-friendly and supporting people. And I implemented what I call the triple win into a business. You win, I win, the customer wins. And so just in that very quick little tie ride of my business and my life, you can relate to me different than anybody else. I have unique IP in my story. Oh my gosh, she was a single mom. Oh my gosh, she went bankrupt. Oh, she had a kid's clothing company. Oh, she's in the fashion business. Oh, now she publishes book. So all of my story now gives you anchors into why you want to do business with me. And it allows us to relate in a more unique way because you're like, oh, I was a single mom. She can understand me. If you read any of my stories and I have 21 books that we have published through Ignite and I put my story in all of them, you will learn a little bit about me that will make you say, I want to do business with her. Because when you share with people your story, you don't say like, I'm a really cool person and go look at my website. You'll say, you know, I was in a situation where I was really failing as a mother. I was unhealthy. I was unhappy. And what I decided to do was close my business so that I could be a mom to my three and five year old. And I was so unhappy and so burnt out and so unhealthy that I could barely walk. I had such damage the spot, my spine and the disc in my spine that I literally needed to go into therapy and relearn how to walk and how to do all kinds of things because I was so unhealthy. Now, just in that little bit, I didn't tell you I'm a great person. I didn't tell you how cool I am. I told you how I handled a really difficult time. I told you the choices I made. I told you the values that were important to me. And so you have learned about me that I will do anything for my kids, that my, my health and my wellness is more important than a toxic marriage, that I took the time to rebuild the next business under very important parameters and, and ethical reasons. So my story tells you who I am without me trying to say, I'm this and I'm that and go to my website and you'll find out more about me. That's your unique IP. It's your story that connects with anyone else. Nobody else has my story. And so well, and I, the, and the great thing about it is most people are so worried about their IP getting stolen. I've got right. IP this, I got IP that, I, I got to protect my IP and copyrights and trademarks and all this. But what you're talking about can't be stolen exactly because it's your story and nobody else has lived your story and so that's that's so powerful and, and so fantastic All right one of the things that i share and i talk a lot about is this intentionality of designing a life designing what it is that you want and then designing or building a business to support it and so that sounds like what's happened for you when you transitioned and you basically business died you killed it and then you started over mm -hmm. by design intentionally can you share real quick about about that choice yeah and in a lot of ways i look back to my business and thank goodness it crumbled or i walked away from it because i wasn't doing business in a way that was serving me it wasn't mm. you know i was all about competition i was dominating the market i was crushing my competitors like i was doing everything from 
the old business paradigm. And that's what I learned growing up in sort of that masculine energy. And so I have to lovingly share that I shifted into my feminine energy on how I could do business that was going to serve me my unique currency of success. And what I did was I really wanted to create a business that was going to help others. And through my own personal story and sharing my story, what I realized is that we can actually come together and be more connected and attract the right clients who want to work with us. If I tell you that I, um, you know, started a business and it's all about the triple win, you can decide that's cool for me or I don't like that or that's not that's that's not interesting to me. But my unique IP allows me in so many ways to filter my customers so that I attract the right people to me. And folks, we all know about energy. We all know about how many hours of the day we put into our work. So we want to work with people that resonate with our frequency. So when you get really clear on what your business is, what most important to you, what you want to do, because it serves you, it's not selfish. It's actually the best thing you can do because it actually allows your customers to show up and really be served in a way that you want to serve them. I'll share a little bit more as, you know, one of the big things Ignite is all about igniting you. It's all about igniting possibilities. We're all about igniting humanity. And so, and during COVID, my husband and I cycled across Canada just to show people what's possible. We were sh stuck sheltering in, gained a lot of weight, you know, just feelings, you know, what's possible. And I said, well, what if you could just get up off the couch and get on a bike? We have a tandem bike in the garage. And we just cycle 5,000 kilometers and raise money for charity. And we, and we did it because it was important to us. It was part of our health. It was part of our mental wellness. But at the same time, we use it in our business to show people this is possible and you can do this. And we raise money for charity. And we, and we lived our passion and we allowed it to filter into our business because it was real and authentic. And I got to tell you, people loved it. And we since then, we've cycled to Alaska. We've cycled coast to coast. We're going to cycle Norway this summer. And so you got to do what you love for you and then bring it into your business so that people see that you're not just pixels and, and numbers and taxes and transaction. They see that you're a real person with real passion and real desire, real willingness to lead because all great entrepreneurs are leaders they lead the way for other people to do the same and so when you do what you love again and you follow your passion and you have balance in your business and you're authentic about it that attracts more customers than you know what to do with and those customers are real and true to you because mm. the worst thing you can do is pretend and then your customers show up and you can't fulfill because it's not really you Yep. And they'll feel it. You'll feel it. And everybody will go, Ugh. and then you get yeah. bad reviews and everything goes the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Lady JB, thank you so much for sharing your wonderful story and your wisdom and just the positive impact that you're seeking to make in humanity. So love that. Thank you for all that you've shared. Thank you so much for having me on the show and all the work you're doing for the entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurs are really going to ignite humanity. So go out and do what you love and have an ignite moment in your life. Thanks so much, Robert. Thank you for tuning in to this episode brought to you by the power of intentional decisions that lead to massive action. Those aren't just buzzwords. They're qualities that can help you take control of your life and build a successful business. To support you on this journey, we're offering you our most popular survey to help you establish a baseline. Visit enjoybizlife.com to check it out and take the first steps towards changing your life and business. We often make things more complicated than they need to be 
losing sight of what's truly important. This tool will help you refocus on what matters most so that you can start doing the things you've always wanted to do, like spending quality time with loved ones. And if you enjoyed this episode, please show us some love by liking, subscribing, or leaving a review. But most importantly, share it with someone who needs to hear it. In our next episode, Dr. Kyle Stanley and Robert talk about the challenges of dentistry, where even the most successful dentists feel like no one trusts them. Patients are afraid and sometimes hate them. Their own staff can feel distant, and then wrestling with the insurance companies to get paid is worse than pulling teeth. He stepped out of the pressure and into entrepreneurship and wants to encourage others who feel stuck by the sunk costs to consider they have other options.